Hello, everybody. Today you have Jake and Seth, and we are cruising at you from a high altitude to discuss Top Gun Maverick about, I don't know, 32 years in the making, uh, 30 years in the making. Um, this is obviously the sequel to Top Gun. Um, the only two people that actually return, though, are Tom Cruise and Val Kilmer. We can get into that. There might be some reasoning behind that later, but we, we can get into that in a bit. Um, some of the other characters. But here we are. Um, the film was made for a budget of 170 This movie was also delayed several times during COVID. Like, it was supposed to come out in, I think, 2019. But then they actually they pushed it back in 2019 um, because they needed to do some work. And then, obviously, COVID struck. So this movie's actually been in the can for a while. Uh came out, made basically 1.5 against a one, 170 million. It, it, it crushed it like that. We do the math all the time. That's a, it's an eight or nine X multiplier. Uh, it broke records. And the crazy thing about it is, and I won't go through all of them individually. This was the first movie I think ever to be first in the box office on like Memorial day and labor day, which is nuts. Um, and it, it, it was able to, Well, it was mind-blowing. I think it was a couple of things. First of all, there were kind of low expectations coming into this. Like, I know I was like, I, I at least went into it with kind of low expectations. Like, okay, it's Top Gun Maverick. Like, I was thinking it was going to be kind of like a 90s sequel. Like, twice the pilots, twice the jets, twice the drama. Top Gun 2. But that wasn't it at all. Like, it was actually, I mean, there's some of that. But I, I, I think it had the benefit of low expectations. It had the benefit of a big Tom Cruise fan base. And I also think it kind of benefited from this dual, um, and not to read too deep into it, but like two things going for it, a really weak box office in terms of options for people to pick from. Also at a time where there are a lot of people who do want to go to the box office, maybe not in the numbers or the way they did before, but people are ready to go back. And it's like, and the other thing... You nailed it. And I just want to just focus. I, I want to harp on one thing. And this is, I, we talk about this all the time. And you talked about, not only, you definitely, this is a movie you should see in theaters. I'm sure it'll be re-released at some point. If you didn't, go see it. It's great in theaters. It's good at home. Um, but whether you're at home or in theaters, like the thing that's going to stick out to you about this movie, I think one of the things about this movie that was like so gripping and like, that people might not talk about, but I think really affected them were that we weren't watching CGI planes shoot, like pretend, but like 
obviously they weren't real dogfights, but they were real jets, at least for most of it. Like maybe not the experimental thing in the beginning, but like the dogfights were actual jets. And you don't need to go this far, but Tom Cruise was actually flying his jets, which is absolutely insane. He learned how to do it. There's the whole joke on the rewatchables about how he also, he's learned to fly a helicopter. Like if you write something in his movie, like he needs to learn to do something, Tom Cruise is going to learn to do it again. But whether, I mean, people always talk about the truck flip in dark Knight, um, or even some of the more advanced practical effects from the thing or Terminator Two. practical effects work. And generally maybe not the thing that movie bombed, but if you, you have a good movie, effects won't make a movie successful, but if you have a good movie, a good action movie with great practical effects, I think it's that type of thing. This is a long-winded way of saying, I give credit to the way they filmed the dogfights and the lack of CGI for what made this film so sticky. It, and the one other thing I, I, I kind of, I dropped them the lead on was that the way this film made 1.5 billion wasn't by a huge opening weekend and then like the usual like diminishing returns it increased it rose week over week and then a new movie would come out and it would fall and then it would increase again and like it was just like it was this it was so sticky and there's no way to prove this my theory though is that when you have those effects there it makes it more of an experience because it is a spectacle because you're actually seeing something you're not used to seeing and you don't realize it in the moment because you you don't you're not thinking or maybe you are maybe you are like me or you it's like wow I'm used to CGI why is it so different oh wow it's because it's people in an actual a thirty million dollar jet flying over and it I'll stop going on I loved it I I am so excited to talk about it I. It's he has 
the same attitude but less venom like when he when he rebels it's like he's learned from his mistakes um you nailed it I, let's dive into the, the 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 students quickly but before you i just yeah just a, i think cruz does a great job um maverick is i think this maverick seems to have a the thing i was most impressed with was the relationship with jennifer Connolly, and there seems to be some sense of recognition that he was a excuse my french fuck boy like with her previously and whether it's whether he is meant to be an allegory for the there are so many different levels of generation of fans of this movie like there are fans like you and i and we didn't see it when he came out in 85 we saw it 10 years later like i think um tom cruise has always been a great what's the right he's been a great entry point for a lot of them a lot of guys that sounds so that sounds like a gay joke and i don't mean it to be i i tom cruise obviously is a, is a huge movie star and a lot of fans like myself like i i love tom cruise i love seeing a movie is no i don't i'm not doing a good job of putting this here what i'm trying to say is i think he does a, serves as what's the term he serves as the eyes obviously as us as the um, the the fans and what i think is interesting is there's a lot going on in the film but to your point, it's speaking to fans like us. It's speaking to fans like our fathers, and it's speaking to fans like my brother, and really like our like your kids almost like no, they don't want Brooklyn watching it now. But in the next five years, they expect Brooklyn to be watching this. And I think like so, there are some hokey things, there are some patriotic things, and there are some really things that there are some things that bridge the two, like the whole question of not only the franchise, but just even the two time periods. Like when this came out, when the first one came out, it was the end of the Cold War. But the Cold War was ending. We knew what we were. Like we were at the high, it was it was kind of like almost a celebration. Like we knew what we were. 30 years later, we're granted things have changed a lot since between 2019 and now when this came out. But what made Maverick such a liability in the first film, his rebelliousness is what makes him such an asset now. And just I thought that was interesting is that now. And I guess I'm probably overthinking it. Like maybe it's not as cool or as sophisticated as I thought, but bringing in the stealth bombers, like it's uh, to bring in the question of AI stealth bombers. It's just, it's very resonant and you don't have to be a fighter pilot. The, uh, the, the thought of robots replacing us is something that a lot of people think about. I just thought, I thought the way they brought all these different things together, like it's not, you can't call it a coming to age story when he's 60, but it's, it is the story of an old man. That's not, that's probably me, but it is. It's an old man who's growing up. It's like, you know, we, I mean, I know I saw that movie in the early 90s. Um, 
uh, there was a ton of people that watched it in the 80s when it originally came out, and it, it's affected different generations. And I just think he carried all that into the sequel with him. And so when you're watching him, and he's like, he still pulls a maverick move here and there, and it's like, oh yeah, man, this guy, he doesn't care about the military rules. So like, he'll, he'll do what he wants just to prove a point, and he gets away with it. And it's like, it, it still kind of tickles you right in the right in the sweet spot, even though they're like, you know, we're closing in on 40 years old here now, Jake. I, I'm just going to not talk anymore. You perfectly articulated everything I was blabbering on before uh, about his ability to do that, take us on that journey with him. Um, yeah, I, I'm not I'm not going to do what I normally do and muck up what you just said with anything. I, I couldn't agree more. But what um, do you want to jump into Rooster and the rest of the crew? Yes. There's a couple other movies I think he's pretty good in. I wasn't sure if he was, I don't, I don't want to say he was miscast in this movie, but I found myself questioning it a couple of times and wondering if he was the best selection for the role. I do think he did a, 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 like a good job. Like I, I would say I'd give him like a B, maybe a B plus uh, on his performance and everything. Um, it's, I, I'll also say this, like it, that's a hard role to play. I think it's harder than people realize to be in the shadow of Cruz for this movie and also try to kind of represent, you know, Goose and that whole character, you know, that past through your own, you know, it's just, I think it's a tougher role than people realize. Um, but I also kind of wondered, did I want somebody a little more animated? Did I want somebody to dial it up a little bit more? Maybe somebody that would have gone like Rogue on Maverick and kind of play that up a little bit. I wasn't, I mean, again, I think, I think it was like a B or B plus. I'm not, I'm not, I don't want to crush the guy. But I didn't wonder, like, you know, was this the best selection for that spot? Interesting. I uh, I thought the way the character was written, which, by the way, is incredibly limited. He's basically seen only through the eyes as, like, a poor orphan boy in trauma. And, like, like his, hero, his, his hero's journey is actually really not a good one. The reason this movie works is because it's about Tom Cruise's journey. And his, his like development is really more like a byproduct of Tom Cruise's journey. Um, I don't know. Like I hear what you're saying, but, but then I, I hear what you're saying, but then it's like, I don't know how, to, how like he's bringing, he, like he's bringing it in the dramatic scenes, but I guess what I'm thinking is like, I hear what you're saying. This to me, it's, it is a slightly, this is more evolved than Top Gun. This is a better movie than Top Gun. Um, it's not in that, obviously it's not Saving Private Ryan. There's a whole other tier between the two. I'm trying to think what those are. Um, but I guess what I'm saying is I hear what you're saying. I don't know if that like changes the DNA of the movie though into more of like, is it like, like I, I think Pearl Harbor failed because it took itself too seriously. Oh, wait, I, I actually have a quick thought on that. So I think, and that, I think he was trying to find, if you go back and look at the first Top Gun, and obviously Seth knows this, I'm saying this for the fans. Uh, the, those, the crew, like Tim Robbins was in that crew. Like those are really good actors and like people who went on to do things. Um, I'm blanking on some of the names, some of the more TV actors, but that, 
Yeah. Like they're, they, granted, we don't, I don't remember their names, but like, I'm telling you, like, you'll recognize them. You go to their IMDBs, they had good careers. And one of the things that um, Cruz was asking, like, um, what are their names? Um, Glenn Powell, who played the hangman and Miles Teller and some of these other guys was basically, what kind of career do you want? Like, and I, I think this was kind of like, Tom Cruise, again, I may be reading too much into this, but from what I've kind of read, and this could be total spin, I think he actually kind of like an art imitating life. I think he kind of saw himself as like actually trying to mentor some of these actors, like the men and the women. And so this is me a long way of saying, I think he didn't want to pick someone from the, out of the blue. I think he wanted to kind of, this is going to, again, not sound right. I don't mean this way. I think he wanted to groom a young man, like a, a young actor. Um, um, but, but sorry, I cut you off. That that was, I just want to say that was something I heard because Glenn Powell was really open about conversations he had, they had. And like one of the things I've also heard like about Henry Cavill, people who've worked with him uh, outside of Jeremy Renner, like a, a lot of people who've worked with him, like younger actors. I don't know if this is like him. I don't know if he's doing this on purpose or not. But they clearly look up to him, and not only from an acting standpoint, but like what he does to get in these roles. So I'm gonna again, I'm doing it. I just totally, I'm just, I won't shut up. I won't shut up, Seth. I, I can shut up. So it's funny you say that because as we were talking about that, I know I just said I kind of liked Miles Teller. I, I, I'm sorry, I cut you off. F uh, finish your finish your pal thought. I'm sorry, I did it again. I'm but shut I, up. I think, I think overall, like I think when, between those two actors, I think they made the right call with Teller playing Rooster and Glenn Powell being Hangman because I, I don't think Teller could have done what Glenn Powell did with that with the Hangman character. Um, at the same time, though, it's like it's just you know, I mean again. That whole kind of crew of people, I think you could argue, you know, for hours about who you would cast there. That's where, it, like, if you're going to be casting what ifs for like two hours, you could spend a long time just thinking about who you'd throw into all those roles. Um, so I don't think they did a bad job casting ones, but it was hard not to think about some different options while I was watching the movie. One question about so Glenn Powell's great. I think Hangman's great. We don't need to go, we don't need to fully litigate this, but I did have a question. In the first Top Gun, I thought if you watch it, Iceman's only a dick because he's not Tom Cruise. Like Iceman's not the dick in that scenario. Tom Cruise is the reckless person who's getting people killed, like going against protocol. Like these aren't people at a job. These are soldiers who have orders and protocol. Like their whole world is around like knowing what the other guy's doing. And the... But but the, but what I was gonna say was the difference with with the hangman guy is he's just a dick, like he's like it, like he's the best. But like calling up things about like the dad, like like he gets personal. Like 
again, this isn't a remake, and I know I would be criticizing it if he was the exact same character, but it was just, it was something I thought was interesting. And where I was going with that was to me, uh, Iceman, in the first one, the Iceman, like, they're, I think they're actually friends. The way Glenn Powell played it or the way it kind of came out, like, yeah, I know he saves him at the end, but to me, like, that character was the dude. He's the older guy who was always an asshole to you and your friends. And then the minute you're on the same team as him, like, you, you join the JV basketball or football or lacrosse team, he's best friends with you. He's like, oh, what's up, man? How you doing? It's like, no, no. I remember I remember everything else, dickhead. Like, like I, granted, he saved his life, but again, I, That's true. Player, right? Yeah. I mean, there's a message in that too. I I couldn't agree more. I I know I just kind of again I feel like I'm bashing both of them. This this movie kind of reaffirmed for me that Miles Teller is a star, and it made me wonder like what he's been doing. Yeah, he he blew it with War Dogs. Um, there's some things I think he had a. It's really this movie is supposed to come out three years ago, which and then they had to go back and reshoot. It wasn't very good. He did have the the offer recently with the Paramount show, which was pretty good. He only had that because Arnie Hammer. Well, that's a whole. We'll do a whole show on that. I was gonna. I liked it. He. I'm sorry. He couldn't pull off Jewish New York guy for me. I'm like that. I'm not trying to be mean. He's a. I like him. He pulled off tough guy well. But like him talking about. I don't. I, And I like the show, but the, Glenn Powell leaving this film, Glenn Powell, I, this is, it's kind of how I felt after seeing Tom Hardy in Inception. And I was like, who the fuck is this guy? Where has he been? And what is he in next? Like, he's so good. And to your point, he is a thin character and I, he popped. Like, I am so excited to see what he does next. Uh, and I just, I know I always bitch and moan about there not being a, a lot of good American actors. Yeah, and this is just a reminder there are. And kudos to them for going with like Jay Alice, Danny Ramirez, like th this Manny Jacinto. This is a really diverse cast, but it doesn't feel like um it doesn't feel like forced inclusion. That sounds terrible. It doesn't feel what I mean, it doesn't seem feel like token, like here's your like it just everything about this film, like even the the presence of women, none of it feels token or political. It just feels very natural and organic in a way that I think it deserves credit, or at least that leaving it, I guess that makes even, it. Even some of the older cast members, you know, like they throw in Ed Harris, you have John Hamm, you have, uh, you know, Val Kilmer comes back. That None of that seems forced either, which going into it, that's what, kind of what I was assuming was going, you know, I thought they were going to force something with the vice man. It was, I mean, again, when I saw Val Kilmer, I was very sad he couldn't speak anymore. Um, and so they kind of, they handled it pretty respectfully, but I did, I, Sure, Val Kilmer would have played a bigger part, which would have been interesting. So it kind of, I mean, again, I was just sad that he couldn't play a bigger role than he had, but I was happy he was in the movie, I guess. 
It's, I am just, yeah, it was the way they played it. Like when they started with the text, I knew his condition leading into it. I knew he was going to have a limited presence. How they worked that into the, and the sound not to be callous, like he does have a real, he can't speak, but the way they worked it into it and the character and like when you find out that he can't speak and like it, to me, it was almost this like, again, like talk about a character or an actor we've been on a journey with and like. That was the first time I saw Val Kilmer on screen in a long time, like seeing him like that. It was it was emotional for me. Like and not that not saying I cried, but like it's hard seeing him like that. And the way it it, it worked for me in a way that didn't it not only felt natural and organic. I shouldn't say natural, but that felt organic. Like there don't get me wrong, there are parts of the movie that are, and we'll get to them in a minute, that are like head scratchers, like like this is really dumb. But like the emotional parts, the hardest parts of this film, like the emotional threads and beats are knocked out of the park, which, and I've seen this guy Kaczynski's movies before. Um, he's good. I always thought he was like technically good, not great, but I'm just blown away. Like this is, I left this film, not only excited about Tom Cruise, which by the way, there, there's no way that they're not remaking the color of money with him soon. They're going to remake all these Tom Cruise movies, like, or not remake them. They're going to make sequels to them. Days of the Thunder too. Do it all far and away. Like, It was funny. That was, again, it's a part of the movie where like you're kind of scratching your head, but at the same time, it's the best part of the film. And I heard some people say it should have ended with Tom Cruise getting shot down. And like in my head, like, yeah, that's. That's what my wife thought. She was like, they should have killed Cruise. It would have been more dramatic. Yeah. And if this movie was made by Catherine Bigelow and wanted to win an Academy Award, it would have. And I to, and also like taking. That was the right way to end the story. That was the way. But I think one of the things that worked for it was like, I don't know, the, I, this probably won't make sense. I feel like the movie public knows that that's the way like a good movie should end. And the fact it didn't end like that, I think kind of might have worked in its favor because also it led to the best action sequences. Like, yeah, there's no way. I don't care. And I, also the, the genius of not identifying what country they're attacking was the smartest thing they ever did. Like, you don't know if it's China, Iran. Yeah, and it's 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 genius. But um, it was the I'm sorry. What was I just talking about? I completely lost track. Just the, the final oh, yeah. the funniest parts were the like the the fact that these two people would be able to commandeer a a thirty year old jet that it worked would fuel it get it off without anyone noticing even in that chaos no 
but it's fun to watch. And the best action sequence is what happens after. It's the real dogfight that everyone wants to see. So I do agree with your wife. They should have, but I'm glad they didn't because I think it kind of led to the best part of the movie. I, yeah, that was definitely, call me a cynic, but something tells me the allure of a Top Gun 3 was, uh, There's something there. yeah. Okay, and we are back from our break, and we are going to discuss Jennifer Connelly next as Penelope Penny Benjamin. Uh, and I didn't realize this. She was mentioned. She's a character that's mentioned in the first, uh, or I think she's referred to as the as the waitress. Two things. I agree. I feel like the if you want Jennifer Connelly in the movie, just put her in the movie. Like the fact that they tried to spin that one obscure line into this like character, like it reminds me of like Rosaline and and uh, from Romeo and Juliet. For those who don't know, Rosaline is the girl that Ro- I think Romeo mentions once in the story before he meets Juliet. It, like you don't. In other words, she's an afterthought. You you could have just introduced her. And the thing about that, like the fact that they went to all that trouble to be like, no, no, she was in the first one, just leads me to believe it was a, a attempt to be subtle, but at the same time, pretty transparent way to recast and get Kelly McGillis out of there. Like, this no offense to Kelly McGillis. McKelly, Kelly McGillis is a beautiful woman who looks appropriate for her age. But she's also nearly 60 now. And Tom Cruise, Jennifer Connelly is like 20 years younger. She looks great. Jennifer Connelly is also in her, like, she's four, she, she's in her 40s. I am so happy to see her in a movie. One of the things I left from this film was thinking to myself, 
hey, why isn't Jennifer Connelly in more movies? She's good. Like, I just, leaving this movie, and for those who don't know, I was just telling Seth or whining to Seth about the lack of good movies for adults. And I also like comic book movies, but just the lack of adult movies or really movies at all. Um, it just leads me to believe that Hollywood truly is run by idiots. Like, you yes. want, like, <laughs> that's all I'll say. Also, could I see that relationship ending? Yeah, it was like a summer fling. Like, it, uh, totally. I haven't seen her, like, I, and I'm not trying to be mean here. I don't know if she's had like really bad work done. Like, there was a period where Renee Russo had some really bad work done, and like she kind of wasn't in films, and then she had it fixed, and she came back. But I'm, but I'm looking at her now. She looks absolutely lovely from what I've seen recently, and this is all I'll say. She's a, she's adorable, and to your point. I couldn't agree more, and I'm not rewriting it, but the idea or thought that there could be a love triangle between them seems like such a more realistic and likely um, like point of contention in that relationship. Also because, like, spoiler alert, that is actually – don't ask me why I watch way too many true crime horror things, but it's actually not uncommon for, like, people – victims – if uh, – it's not uncommon for a friend and a spouse of someone who's died to like eventually get together. Like it's, it's actually kind of common because of their grief. Not that they need to do that, but to then to kill her off, like everything about it was really contrived to create this weird tension between him and rooster that I felt like they could have gotten to a million different ways. But again, like it felt like it was so intentional. I really felt like they were doing everything they could to keep her and Kelly McGinnis out of the movie in a way that like wasn't hurtful but like looking at it and like i, I kind of left the movie being like that was a little weird and like and then i heard their reasoning and i was like no it makes sense they have to tell a story but like the more the further i get away from it and the more we talk about it you couldn't have him call you couldn't have him like calling his friend like even if they're not together can he call kelly mcginnis be like hey i'm in this really like i'm a teacher now like there are so many ways to include to include them in more than a Yeah. It doesn't make sense to me that they're like, no, we need Maverick to have the have the romantic element of this, and it's just like, it, yeah. Uh, again, uh, that was, that's the one part of the plot that I would critique the most. The in the normal, I shouldn't say normal world. This movie's great. I love Tom Cruise, but in a different film, I'm not even gonna say it. They should. You're right. I think in a different film, it's about, it's more focused on Rooster. Who knows? But I mean, I don't know. As we talk about, it, who knows? Maybe that was a movie, and they're like, you know what? People want the cruise. I mean, the analogy would be like if in Top Gun, the romantic story arc was with Michael Ironside, right? Like, Speaking of which, where's the Ironside? You, old Ironside's out there. You don't bring him back. 
I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna get worked up, Seth. I'm not gonna let you do it. Oh man, he just imagine he just stares down cruises and head head explodes scanners style. I'm mixing my movies here, but I I love Ironside. He needs to come back. Um, all right, anything else you want to talk about or 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 chat about? Well, from what I read, they actually didn't really consider a sequel until like the 2010s, and it actually seems like they kind of borrowed from. Well, I would say Tony Scott's idea was the end of dogfighting and like the the switch to modern aerial warfare. So it seems like they took those bones or DNA and ran with yeah. it. And why wouldn't you if it was Tony Scott's idea? Again, talk about someone who should have made. If they let him make more movies, there would be more money. I'm going to stop talking. It was awesome. I mean, I heard that it was offered to Ridley to direct this. And Ridley was like, no, I can't. And, like, he didn't want to do it. Um, but that, I thought that was interesting, too, that they kind of went to Ridley and were like, hey, can you pick up where your brother left off? That seems a little weird. Like, I'm sure that came from a nice place. Though. That seems really heavy. It would have been a weird Ridley Scott movie. I'll tell you, yeah, like, I don't think he's the right, he's not the right director for, for this. No, no, I don't think so. Um, I, I'm ready to head into final scores if you are. Yeah, let's do it. Um, I think it was, I think the action was great. I thought the acting was good for this type of movie. I thought the casting was good. Um, a little upset with the Jennifer Connelly thing. Um, I'm going to give it like a 7.5. It's like, I feel like it's really strong. I personally, I think I would still rate the original Top Gun a little higher. I think I'm still a fan of the original a little bit more. Maybe that's a nostalgia thing, um, but I just think, I think it's a little bit more fun to watch, kind of. There's really not as much drama in the original Top Gun outside of Goose dying. Um, and so... It's definitely much tighter. Yeah, it's a lot tighter, exactly, yeah. I'm, I'm coming in much higher. I'm giving it, like, a nine. Um, I can't remember what I gave it on my thing, too. A, a part of that, too, is, like, this has been the context of this year. I couldn't even fill up... I tried to do a top three list, Seth. I couldn't make it past two. Top Gun's on Top Gun's number on one of them, um, but it, it has warts. I, I knew I had low expectations. I loved it when I saw it in theaters. I saw it, I think a second time. It's a long movie. It was incredible. I, I liked it more the second time. Like, and again, we're not watching Saving Private Ryan here or It's Gone with the Wind. Like, this isn't an old time great. Like, I love Miles Teller. Uh, but he's not doing Oscar-worthy drama. And I, I am sitting there loving it, watching him and Tom Cruise yell at each other because I'm like, they're going to get in the plane in a minute. They're going to get in the plane in a minute. And it's, it's your point. It is, I think it is a great, it has great action. It has a great story. It has a great lead in Cruise and good actors around him. Um, I know I use great a lot. This is a movie the warts are being covered up it's the the sum is more than the then then it's total parts and for me and that magic i for me like 
I hear, I, I don't know if I had to put them side by side, I would probably like you give it to top gun. The first one. Cause even though I, I said, I think this is a better movie and like, and that it's, I think it has a more, I think it has a more expansive view and a little deeper story, but it also has some unwieldy parts, some parts that don't fit in well and a lot less focus. <laughs> I would, I would give it to the original. Then the reason I'm giving this a nine is for that the way it evoked, the way it was able to evoke the, the fun of the original and build on it with some of the stunts, like some of the cool stunts they did. Like I can't remember what they called it, but when they basically a uh, corkscrew, when they start corkscrewing and barrel rolling down in the ground with each other, like they actually had to do. That was just so cool. I, clearly, I'm geeking out. Like I just love the stunts in this. All right, a, a nine and a seven point five. That's that's our biggest gap in a while. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I agree. I hope everyone sees it and enjoys Tom Cruise while he's still whatever age he's pretending to be. Yeah, don't go Maverick on us. Just go see it. <laughs> oh, I like that little wordplay here from your from your old friends. All right, ready to sign out here, my man. Goodbye. Goodbye.